Okay, you received a brochure. Last Sunday was what? It was Vision Sunday. And uh, we talked about the vision that God has laid upon our heart as a church and as a people. And really the objective that the Lord has set out before us because of what you said, what you shared with us. And part of that mission is not only that we are focusing on Jesus Christ, but that we are focusing on people. Amen. And we want to reach out and impact people's lives. So everything that we do as we move forward in the next few years together, everything that we do is going to be going through that filter of the vision that we have. You see the vision. It's a fairly long paragraph there in the brochure. And then then there is a five year strategic plan that we're going to follow as far as goals and everything that we do will be going through that filter. And so we are asking ourselves, Father, how can we fulfill this mission that you have called us to, which we see right here, seek, serve, and reach, even through the sermons that we listen to on Sunday morning? Because if we we believe that this is what God has called us to, that we're to be a church that is seeking and, and serving and reaching the world for Jesus Christ, Then we are wondering, we are asking the question, how is God equipping us to do that? Amen. And so we go to the text this morning with that kind of uh, interest or maybe even eagerness. We go to John chapter 13 and invite you to turn there with me this morning. Let's go to John chapter 13. We're going to pick up there at verse one and down through verse five. And we're going to we're going to look at Jesus for just a moment. And when I. I read this. I want you to know that for me, as far as this text goes, that I I take this. I mean, I really I really take this personal. I mean, this this is something that is really on my heart when I look at the example that Jesus Christ gives us. And I'm asking the question in my mind, what does it mean for for Tony Miller to live out the vision that God has called us to? And then I look at what Jesus does here. And man, I'm telling you, it is dynamic and it should affect the way that I live my life. So listen and, and, and just imagine with me as we look at this text this morning. Again, John chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival, and that's important. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and we'll come back to that in just a moment, but under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Now, for me... Man, this is when time just begins to slow down. I mean, this was a time of of activity. I mean, this was a festival time. And you can imagine there was probably friends and neighbors and relatives from the past that had moved away. And possibly now they're coming back to the city for this festival. And so you can imagine that the city was, you know, a hum of activity. But in this moment, in that upper room, as Jesus does this very visual thing, this very humble act, I can imagine in my mind's eye that Time just kind of begins to slow down and there's almost kind of a, a, a silence, a pall that comes over the room as Jesus begins to work in in this way as he does ministry for his disciples. And and I, I think it's important that as we begin to imagine Jesus doing this, washing the disciples feet, I mean, that's what the rest of the text says. It tells us that 
He not only puts a towel around him, but he, he begins to wash their feet. And it's important that we look at this in the Christian historical context because fast forward as we go to the very next week, the, pa- the week of the Passion or the Passion Week, we imagine how all the activities of that week culminate to the point that Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross. Again, in the historical Christian context of everything that is happening, now I imagine Jesus doing what he does here. And then the image of Jesus hanging on the cross. And folks, this is personal. I mean, this is transformative. If there was anything that I could preach this morning that would transform the way that we are living our lives, it ought to be this one thing that Jesus does for his disciples. Now, again, in the historical context, remember this, this being a part just after the Passover festival, there's a reminder of God's deliverance in history past, the emancipation of the Israelites from slavery. And so we see in this moment when God again breaks open human history that he... He, he is a deliverer of man. He's a deliverer of mankind, was a deliverer of mankind here, and, and maybe possibly a deliverer of mankind this morning. Amen. And what he's doing in this text here is he's really, he's really doing more than just, just saying what it is that, that, that we are to be, but he is preparing them and he is showing them, this is key, he's showing them there is a, another kind of slavery that we are tempted with, a, a slavery that keeps us perfectly distracted, a, a, savor, a slavery that, that, that in where the, the ends justifies the means. I mean, think of our culture this morning where the ends justifies the means and we're kind of driven by that. A, sla- a slavery that, that upends our current culture and a cultured culture and in the humanities context, a self-awareness becomes a host to everything, to the very thing, except that what Jesus is showing us. And that is that this is how we live our life and that is called self-sacrifice. So Jesus is dealing with this idea, this slavery unto self, so that we are lifting self up rather than others, or we're lifting self up rather than Christ. Jesus addresses all this right here, and he does it by doing this very selfless thing, and, and of course, washing the disciples' feet. Now, I want to say that washing feet at this time is probably a very common thing to do. I mean, we know this. We know that the, wor- the wor- roads were kind of dirty and dusty. And we know for the roads that were even built by the Roman Empire at the time, I mean, they put a lot of effort in. And I, I did some study and I found that they literally dug out trenches and they would bury rocks three feet deep and then smaller rocks, smaller aggregate and then smaller. And then they'd have gravel and, and sand and dirt. And they really put an effort into it, but still it was a dirty thing. It was a dusty thing. And you can imagine the sandals on their feet at the time. And so it was very normal, very common that when they had arrived at somebody's home, they would go in and they would have a bowl there and, and one would wash his own feet. And that was very normal. But you see, it was normal for one to wash his own feet. But for somebody else, unless you were sick, for somebody else to wash your feet, it was a, probably a very humble and dirty, disgusting thing. And so you can imagine how things kind of slow down and and the room becomes silent as Jesus Christ, he does what he does and he kneels down and he he begins to take the the bowl. And I imagine in my mind's eye, the silvery 
water sloshing back and forth and setting the bowl down. And I imagine in my mind's eye Jesus then plunging the rag into the water like this and lifting it and wringing it maybe a bit and lifting his foot up, the disciple's foot, and washing it in the water beginning to turn a little bit brown because of the dirt. And I imagine in my mind's eye that, you know, the, the sense of the atmosphere at that moment is Jesus is performing this very humble act on his disciples. And how that must have affected them and how it transformed them, how it affected their heart. And what's, what's dynamic about this, imagine this is the Jesus that has all the power of heaven at his fingertips. Because we just read that God had put all things under his power. And so the very power of the one who created the universe is humbling himself in this very servant-like act as he's washing the disciples' feet. I mean, it's profound. I laughed a little bit when I was reading this, and my heart was moved, but I had this flash. You know sometimes thoughts sneak in when you don't intend them to sneak in? Do you know what I'm talking about? So I had this thought of Bruce Almighty. <laughs> and Bruce Almighty, how many ever seen that movie? Jim Carrey is a character of Bruce, and he's complaining about life. He's having a bad life, right? I mean, life's not good, and he's complaining about life. He's complaining about God. He goes on and on to everybody about what a bad job God is doing. Well, God shows up in the form of Morgan Freeman. And so God says to, to Bruce Almighty, what? What does he tell Bruce Almighty? He says, okay, you have the power. He's got the power. You remember that? Parts the Corvettes, or wherever it was he parted. I mean, you know, he had fun with it. He's a comedian. I mean, it was fun and we laughed a lot, right? He had the power. But really is a pretty good moral because what happened, what happens? Jim Carrey makes a mess of things. He makes a mess of things. And then, of course, God has to come down and uh, he has to fix everything. And isn't that just the way it is? That we, we really need God to fix it all? I mean, well, see, the power of Christ was nothing like that. Because Jesus knows what to do. Jesus knows what to do. And he had the very power. All things were under his power. And yet he stoops and he, he performs this very visual and very humble act in washing the disciples' feet. And he shows us some things. Maybe the answer is in verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So maybe Jesus was, you know, giving him a lesson on this is how forgiveness works. This is how we forgive others and we humble ourselves. And, and maybe that was just it. But, you know, I think Jesus in his acts and in his words, I think there's layers, you know, like Shrek. I think there's layers in what he's saying. There's layers in his activity and his ministry as he's ministering. There are these layers of things that Jesus is trying to show us. Or perhaps verse 14 says it better. Look at verse 14 of that same chapter. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Jesus speaking now. Hang with me. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Maybe the more faithful interpretation is that this is about those in positions of power being willing to relinquish that power when it comes to faith. Jesus, you know, he upends the hierarchy of the room that day. 
And this was so out of the ordinary. And, and by the way, we're not going to end with the foot washing service, so you don't have to be nervous, okay? We're not going to do that today. But he does up in the hierarchy of that, that afternoon, that day, and, and, and it is about recognizing that maybe in faith, the most able among us might be the disabled. The most able among us might be even the handicapped. The most able among us may not measure up to this world's standards and what is ideal, the perfect person, but, but in the realm of faith, it's all upended and we're shown the right way it should be in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus shows us this example and, and he shows the disciples. I, I'm blown away when we spend time with my daughter, Courtney. She's a challenge. I'm not kidding you. We have a special needs daughter. She was here for eight days with our son and his new wife. And Courtney, she was a handful this time. And uh, we normally have been spending time with her, just Heidi and I, one on two, whatever. And it's, it's good. And we, we added the son. And it, for whatever reason, she was tough this time. We were at a restaurant ordering. And, um, you know, money's not free. We know this, right? And so we were giving her some limitations. She didn't like it. And she's sitting right here beside me. We're in a nice restaurant, Candles. And she leans over and she says, Dad, I'm about to cuss you right now. And this is my special needs daughter. And she says, I'm going to use the F word if you... you he says, I'm, she said, I need to go outside and walk. And I said, honey, go outside and walk. She got up and go out, went outside. Now, now, you need to know that really is a victory. Because there was a time that Courtney would not have stopped and told us what she was feeling. She would have just, boom. Okay? She's matured a lot. And uh, she did great. She was a handful. But... What, what is wonderful about Courtney is she is the kindest and the, well, maybe not the kindest, but she, she, she is the, the most generous person I know. Immediately when she gets something, if it's money, if it's candy, when she gets something, when she receives something, immediately she wants to share it with us. She does not have a selfish bone in her body. And, and I'm looking at this passage. Wow. The sacrificial living. Jesus. I become servant of all. See, Jesus washing the dirt off the disciples' feet, it, it's symbolic of, of, of what he, he not only is saying, hey, this is how we live, but it's what he's doing on the inside. It's symbolic of the washing of the stains and the, the washing of the things that maybe are not right or maybe it's a washing away of sin or, or whatever it is. And Jesus is doing this. And it's in Jesus that life becomes complete. It's Jesus that makes us disciples. Amen. That's what Jesus shows us here. Jesus washing the feet symbolizes Christ's ability to touch the whole body. I, I became curious and I'm, I'm thinking about this foot thing. What about the foot? Why, why the foot? And, and I learned that a foot is interesting. It's remarkable. It's a very complex, uh, has a very complex design. I learned in my study that a foot has 23 bones in it. Did you know that? A foot has 23 bones in it. It has 33 joints in it. And it has 100 muscles just in one foot. 100 muscles. Scientists said that, that a person walks so much during their lifetime that they could walk around the globe, the world, three times. 
So imagine the abuse and the, the weight and the burden that rests on the feet. And I kind of think maybe, maybe this is why the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, you know, the news of Jesus, the gospel, you see, that, that is good news. It's sweet news. But maybe it's because God understands, you know, understands what our feet go through. We're quick to dip our toes in the bowl of salvation. I made a note of that. We are quick to dip our toes in the bowl of salvation or, or help. You know, God, please help me. Lord, please help me. But we're not so fast. We're not so quick to put our hands in the bowl of compassion, the bowl of sacrifice. And, and Jesus is challenging us to, to fill that bowl the bowl of love and the bowl of compassion. And maybe you're saying, well, how can I even have a full bowl of compassion in my heart when I feel so empty myself? Maybe it's because you've had chronic failure in life or maybe you've you felt defeated or maybe you're wrestling with something, some kind of guilt that you're wrestling with inside. And you're just saying, man, I'm so inadequate. How could my bowl, bowl be full? But you see, Jesus came to fill that. That bowl. Jesus came to, to fill you and to give you adequacy and, and to wash you clean and to make you all the things that he desires for you to do. And, and you see, this is why Jesus, in washing the disciples' feet, represents his ongoing work in us, his ongoing cleansing in us, his ongoing sanctifying process in us, as we allow him to fill us and fill our bowl of compassion. I know it's hard. I know sometimes we're defeated. Anybody ever feel defeated? Raise your hand. Anybody ever feel defeated? And I know it's hard because life has a way of just making you feel that way. But you, you, you can keep going. I know the attacks are real. My wife and I, we went and we had the opportunity, the blessing, to start, plant two new churches in Africa a few years ago. And... We went with the Jesus Film Project, and we started two churches. It was awesome. At the end of the time, we went on a, a, a safari, a land safari and a, a river safari. And it was, it was just fantastic. It was awesome. We saw all, all kinds of wild animals. Um, my favorite, you know, would have been to see would be the lion because the lion is king. And so during that two or three day, that safari time, we looked and looked and looked, and we saw all kinds of animals, almost all of them, but we did not see a lion, and we were really disappointed, so all I got to do was look at postcards of lions or whatever. But I was watching YouTube, and it was talking about the lion. And, you know, the lion is king, but the lion has one enemy. I didn't know this. The lion has one enemy that they should fear for their life for. And you know who their enemy, what animal is the enemy? A much smaller animal, a hyena. And it's not one-on-one, on one. it's not even two or three-on-one, but what happens is a hyena surrounds, they find an older lion, and the hyena, as a pack, in a dozen, they surround the lion, and they begin to nip and bark at it and scratch it and nip at it, and they begin to tire it and wear it out, tire it down and wear it out, and then another, in this video, then another dozen hyenas showed up, and then another dozen hyenas showed up, so there's three dozen hyena, and they literally kill the king. They kill the king. Maybe you can remember a time in life when Jesus was king. But life has been attacking you and you've been, 
you know, being challenged by one thing or another. And maybe it's finances. Maybe it's temptation. And, and maybe it's a struggle that you're going through. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's family. But, you know, you're just surrounded by the hyenas. And you're just being reminded this morning that you want Jesus to be king. Jesus came to fill your bowl. Jesus came to give you compassion and give you love. And this connects with the vision that God has given us. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's been a while since you've had passion for others. But Jesus came to fill your bowl. Amen. To give you passion for others and passion that you might be the hands and the feet of Jesus for his glory. Amen. I want to invite us to do communion, uh, the sacrament, a little bit different today. I mean, we're going to do it in the same format. But what I mean, when was the last time that you came and received the bread and the juice with passion? I, I think our music, Kelly, was awesome today because the music, you know, there was a lot of passion in it. And I think our music was an awesome precursor to this point. Where we ask the question, when was the last time we received the sacrament with passion? Not only just reflectful thanksgiving, but passion. Say, Jesus, fill my cup. Give me passion for others. Give me passion that I might be your hands and I might be your feet. We have a lot of work to do, folks. I cannot imagine us doing it if Jesus does not fill our bowl. Give us his passion. Give us his love for others. Jesus wants to do that this morning. He wants to give you his passion today.